It's Monday. It's April 6th. And the word of the day is calipigian, which means possessing aesthetically shaped buttocks. Used in a sentence. When a calipigian girl walks in with an itty-bitty waist and a round thing in her face, you get sprung. Or translated for the white people, I wish they all could be calipigian girls. Of course, and our art historian listeners might be familiar with it from the Venus Calipige, archaeological proof that our appreciation for nice asses hasn't changed much in 2,300 years. <laughs> I'm No Illusions. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's far center, we are the Skeptocrats. On episode 11, we'll learn that the TPP, the TPIP, and TP are all equally worthy of having shit smeared on them. Senator Bob Menendez learns that pimping ain't easy. The Raelians will remind us that Scientology isn't the only foaming at the mouth crazy UFO cult game in town. And the state of Indiana gets an invisible gay hand job from the market. But first, the Duo Tribe. If you were following the news last Wednesday, you would have heard pundits on both sides of the aisle either lamenting or celebrating the fact that the deadline for a framework in the Iranian nuclear negotiations had come and gone, and though the principles continued to haggle, it was unlikely any deal would be reached. And if you were following the news on Thursday, you'd wonder why the fuck you bothered to listen to the news on Wednesday, as late Thursday night the framework of the deal was announced. Of course, now this is just a framework, but if the final deal is reached, Iran will agree to shut down about two-thirds of its nuclear reactors, export or dilute their spent fuel rods, and decommission their heavy water reactor in exchange for a lifting of international sanctions. In addition, Iran has agreed to let us look everywhere but their mom's closet for the next decade and a half. And now comes the spin. In America, the Obama administration is working hard to get Congress on board with this by stressing the sweeping nuclear reforms part of it, but he faces a steep uphill battle even within his own party. And at the same time, in Iran, President Hassan Rouhani is working hard to keep the supreme leader from upending their gains by stressing the fact that they definitely didn't capitulate because of those pansy-ass little sanctions. Because <laughs> America's sanctions like his grandma. It's, it's just like it's, it's embarrassing, really. Of course, even before the framework of the deal was hammered out, people around the world were lining up to condemn or defend it. And the clarifying document has done little to clarify the issue. So to help sort it all out, we thought we'd present some of the winners and losers should the deal be finalized. All right. Winner. The Iranian people. Because as much as Rouhani stressed the fact that they weren't worried about any silly sanctions, the reaction in the streets told a wildly different story. You know, this is a country whose economy has been crippled to one degree or another by international sanctions since 1979, and it's gotten particularly bad of late. Winner. Winner. Those who are flammable and or DNA-based. Right. Because even the people who don't like this deal agree that it's at least going to make it harder for Iran to build a nuclear weapon, regardless of whether you think it's harder enough. It's probably right. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. We also have, of course, a... Loser. Tom Cotton. Turns out he doesn't pull as much weight in Tehran as he thought he did. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Winner. John Kerry. So we can brush aside the Chamberlain and Bismarck hyperbole on both extremes, but as long as Iran doesn't instigate a world war and a holocaust, I take care he comes out looking like fucking champ on this. Yeah, right, right. Okay, how about a... Loser. The Jingos. As recently as today, I'm sure, there are some within the neoconservative bloc that are publicly calling for open war with Iran about this. Not surprising, these are many of the same folks that pushed for the war in Iraq. And also pushed for war in Iran for the last 36 years. Yeah, that same guys. Yes, exactly. Now, I particularly like John Bolton's to hell with international law and decency. Just bomb those motherfuckers op-ed in the New York Times mm -hmm. where he explained that we wouldn't even have this problem 
if we'd already bombed them off the map years ago. Yeah, very nuanced position there, John. Yeah. Well, first of all, we could still, at any moment, decide to bomb them off the map if we want, for better or for worse. That option never really goes away when you have 2,000 times more nuclear stockpiles yeah, right. than the next Exactly. exactly. We're not giving up any bombs here. Right. And also, I seem to recall us starting another unprovoked war in the Middle East over non-existent weapons of mass destruction in a country that starts with IRA <laughs> under the advice of John Bolton. And how did that work out again? Was that... Yeah, did yeah. It... I guess we didn't really need this deal to call John Bolton a loser. How about... Winner. Winner. Iranian-backed terrorists. You know, a stronger Iranian economy will no doubt improve their ability to su- supply weapons and training to all manner of unsavory zealots. So there is that. Uh, that's, well, that's a legit Shiite zealots. We need yes, the uh-huh. Shiite extremists to take out the Sunni extremists, obviously. But, you know, I mean, nobody asked me on this one, but I say the one whose name doesn't mean excrement in any language at all automatically wins. This, th- that would save a lot of fighting if they just ask me. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to save a lot of fighting over there, isn't there? <laughs> Losers. Cockroaches. Yeah, they've had their eye on the Middle East for a while, but it looks like they're not going to inherit that for a bit longer. So. Any day now, but no. Losers. The Congressional Republicans. Look, long before we knew what this deal might look like, they had already pretty much backed themselves into a corner, right? They had to be a basically against this, even if Iran fully ceded their national sovereignty and agreed to become a client kingdom of the United States. And as near as I can tell, like Saudi Arabia. this framework <laughs> – no, we're their client kingdom. Oh, right. It, it no, works the yeah. other way that way. Um, <laughs> we build them? Or they, I but, don't but, but I've been trying to find the, like, the, the bipartisan experts, and they're mostly saying this is a better deal than anyone really expected them to get. So I'm not going to say it's a good deal, but it's a better deal than the congressional – Republicans were hoping to have to shake their fists at. Winner. The Israelis. Because either Iran wasn't going to nuke you anyway, or they're less likely to nuke you tomorrow. No matter how this plays out, the international community just managed to shut down the Iraq nuclear reactor without you guys having to instigate a war over it. Right. A little thank you note would be nice. A modicum <laughs> of gratitude, No, we're not getting that. And, and while the people may have won, the leader is definitely in that other class. Loser. Loser. Benjamin Netanyahu. Because, sure, he didn't want the Iranians getting a nuclear bomb, but his real goal here is to keep them under sanctions so they remain weak and internally fractured. He doesn't want the siege to achieve some kind of purpose. He just wants the siege. Right. Siege, quay, siege. And that's not because he's evil, by the way, to be fair. I mean, he might be evil, but not because of this. But but clearly, a weak Iran is in his national interest. He's, right, you know, being a right. reasonable leader. And least, he's making the point a lot of people idea. are making that the sanctions should remain because of Iran's state sponsorship of terrorism or one of their myriad other national horrible vices. And maybe that, you know, maybe they should be sanctioned for those. But the president's sanctions, the ones that are in the process of being negotiated now, were originally instituted by the international community because of their nuclear program. <laughs> that was the whole thing. It's right? not exactly fair to move the goalpost now because we've gotten pissed about some other thing. Right, right. Now, one can certainly argue that sanctions are unethical regardless of their goal, as they basically punish the populace for the actions of the crazy government. But even if you get past that ethical dilemma, the sanctions have to be targeted somehow. The the stated goal of these sanctions was to bring Iran to the international standards in terms of nuclear non-proliferation. They agreed to do that. Now we have to let them have food and iPads again. It's not a bad deal for us. Pretty simple. And as to this other charge that you just can't trust the Iranians. I mean, while there isn't a you-have-to-always-tell-the-truth clause in the framework, it's worth remembering that we haven't exactly given them a lot of reasons to trust us historically either. (laughs) Or or presently. They they currently have a letter from our Congress that says, uh, you know, trust us, we're not to be trusted. (laughs) We're definitely not to be trusted. Trust me, I can tell you for sure, we are not to be trusted. 
you look at the actions of the world's governments, it's easy to assign nefarious intent to a lot of the things they do. But it's also easy to lose track of the fact that most people who enter public service are really doing it out of a genuine desire to make things better. So with that in mind, we'd like to debut a new segment called The Benefit of the Doubt, in which we'll look at some of the seemingly opprobrious governmental initiatives and try to explain how all these elements that seem bad at first glance might actually be explained as perfectly reasonable, even virtuous. This week, we'll be talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, or the TPP. So tell us, Noah, what's the TPP? The TPP, if ratified, will be the largest economic treaty in world history. It would cover 12 nations, including the U.S., Mexico, Canada, Australia, and Japan. In all, the partnership would represent over 40% of the world's economy. All right, so what's in the agreement? We have no fucking clue. As the details of this treaty and the details of the negotiations of the treaty are not being released to the public. Okay, well, I can see why a lot of people are suspicious of the government's motives here. It's hard to imagine why they'd want to keep the details secret if they weren't doing anything that would be awful and piss everybody off. Well, it's hard to imagine, sure, but not impossible. All right, so I guess we can give them the benefit of the doubt for a second. What non-nefarious reason might they have for keeping this all a secret? Well, think about it. Quentin Tarantino lost his shit when the script for The Hateful Eight was leaked on the internet, and I'm sure his movie wasn't designed to enforce a transnational plutocracy, so it's entirely possible that this treaty just has a surprise ending, and they're trying to protect us from spoilers. (laughs) All right, gotcha. So, who is privy to all these details? Government officials and representatives of multinational corporations. Okay, well, if... The corporations have a seat at the table, and the details are being classified. Doesn't it stand to reason that the treaty is benefiting those corporations at the expense of the people that aren't being allowed to see what's in it? Well, of course that stands to reason, but look, my laptop has a dozen different mouse pad shortcuts that you can't help but accidentally trigger constantly, so clearly reason is no indicator of motive. But what about the concerns that the treaty is going to weaken the autonomy of governments to enact tough environmental standards or, more generally, remove autonomy entirely? Mm -hmm. What's already been leaked from the treaty has certainly added credibility to those fears, right? Well, sure, if you're worried about Earth. Why wouldn't you be? Well, Earth is responsible for an enormous amount of human suffering. Think about it. Earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis. It's about time we stopped coddling this homicidal planet and showed it who's boss. Okay, well, let's talk about this provision that was recently leaked about international tribunals that would allow foreign corporations to sue the U.S. government and win taxpayer-funded settlements if our laws interfered with their profits. Can we Uh discuss this? What about it? Well, that seems like the kind of thing that conservatives, liberals, libertarians, socialists, just about everybody would all hate equally. Not only would that cede national sovereignty to an unelected international tribunal— But it would ultimately give foreign corporations a level of influence in our legislative process that we don't even give to American corporations. Citizens United can't even do that. Yeah, there's uh, no way to spin that as good intentioned. Uh, So it's it's probably better if we just go with uh, you were dreaming when you heard about that part. It was all just a horrible dream. No, but it's right here on WikiLeaks for everyone to see. Oh, WikiLeaks. No, that's a a satire site. It's like like The Onion. Uh, No, it's not. It's... Um, Absolutely not. Oh, no, I've got it. I've got it. They didn't want the um, corporations that were uh, – shit. Uh, uh, space monkeys. Oh, how, how do space monkeys factor well, in? Well, not, not literal space monkeys. It's um, – what's the palindrome of space monkeys? <laughs> There's no palindrome of anything that isn't already a palindrome, but space monkeys backwards would be 
Skinam ecaps, if that helps. Uh, no, that doesn't that doesn't work either. So nothing. Uh, maybe some kind of supervillain with a mind control laser made them do it. Is that really what you're going to go with? Or or space monkeys? Or maybe flagrant attempt to subvert democracy for the sake of corporate overlords? A little bit. It's going to be it's going to be one of those three. Yes. So yeah, all doubt, no benefit. Joining me for headlines tonight is fellow skeptic rat, No Illusions. Noah, do we really need this paternalistic federal government shoving nuclear non-proliferation down our throats like this? No, is that? No, I mean, look, given a chance, the free market would reduce both the stockpiles and the proliferating nations. So I, oh, I don't see we need, why we would waste tax money on all this crap. <laughs> so before we, get to first, out. before we get to our first headline, let's change something and ruin it. <laughs> Trending recently on Twitter was hashtag change a word, ruin a quote. Would you like to play or pass? Oh, oh shit, I thought we were going to do change a word, fix a quote, and I was about to red pen Neil Armstrong, but I, I have to rethink my answer now, so so you go ahead. <laughs> you want to do Ted Cruz and Rubio while you're over there? <laughs> all right, um, how about, uh, all right, I'm going Annie Hall style. Hey, don't knock incest, it's sex with someone I love. <laughs> Which originally Woody Allen about That's masturbation in Annie Hall, but... <laughs> Allegations suggest this new version might work for him too. So that's of all the quotes in the world. That's I love it. Um, how about I come not to bury Caesar but to braise him? So it changes the whole meaning of this of the whole play. A little bit, yeah, it's more than a word. I and this week's random stranger winner was at Taylor Bricano, who went with yes, Rosa Parks. So well played, Taylor. That would ruin it. Yeah, that would have fucked things up more than if the dream MLK was talking about was the one where Felix the Cat was trying to sell him opium. You know. <laughs> I have a dream. It's really fucking weird. I was in my underwear doing this whole speech. In our lead story tonight, we have a follow-up on last week's story from the Hoosier Daddy's file. After enormous public criticism and mass boycotts of the state, thoroughly embarrassed Indiana lawmakers and Governor Mike Pence were forced to walk back their version of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, or RIFRA. Yes, they were. Following an awkward day of debate that made everyone involved look stupid, as it absolutely should have, the state Congress voted to make the law slightly less discriminatory, <laughs> and Governor... Several pennies signed it, whether he liked it or not. And in so doing, managed to piss off all the people on the right who didn't think there was anything in the law that needed to be fixed in the first place, and all the people on the left, since the fixes stopped short of actually making it illegal to discriminate against gays. You, you know it's bad really when you're anything, making you? Jan Brewer look thoughtful. <laughs> you should have handled it like Brewer. <laughs> and, wow. of course, not wanting to be left out of the national embarrassment spotlight, Arkansas recently tried to make actively hating gays extra legal as well. Early last week, they approved a similar bill to Indiana's original, but were also forced to rewrite the proposal after Governor Asa Hutchinson threatened to veto unless they eased it back and made it more like the federal RIFRA, which they did. Now, this may sound like a progressive move by the governor there, but probably had a lot more to do with his desire to not be Mike Pence than right. an ideological <laughs> sense of equality for gay people. Also, Hutchinson is pretty much required to do whatever Walmart tells him, and they told him to veto. So consider yes. this my rare compliment of something that came out of Walmart. Right, because the Waltons are perfectly happy to spend gay money, too. Like, <laughs> They're no, fine with that. I don't care. Now, before we all get too excited and start blowing each other, let's remember the larger context. Okay, here. but let's There's definitely a... do that later. We'll put that on the calendar <laughs> we'll talk for about afterwards. The, uh, Blowjob party. There's a federal law 
that says religious people are allowed to commit acts of bigotry that would otherwise be illegal. We have that, and that's a giant problem. So the fact that Indiana and Arkansas had to backpedal until they reached a moderate homophobic law isn't really a great situation. The federal version of RIFRA is also a bullshit law. Indiana and Arkansas managed to pass a duplicate version of an existing shitty law. Nobody should be impressed by this. Right, right, yeah. And I also find it very interesting that all the potential GOP presidential candidates except Rand Paul came out and agreed with Mike Pence more than Mike Pence did. <laughs> Should make for some really fun debates. We started this podcast at the right time, I swear. And in But It's a Desiccated Heat news tonight, California Governor Jerry Brown has called for unprecedented mandatory water restrictions as his state moves into the fourth year of its historic drought. The executive order will affect at least 90% of California residents who fear that their century-long effort to reclaim a desert with lawn sprinklers might finally be at an end. <laughs> Those manicured, no-touching lawns are ridiculous. I hate it. It's like having an acre of plastic-covered couch. Yeah, no good. Well, that would actually be kind of cool, though. The cuts have been widely <laughs> criticized for ignoring the industrial agriculture that uses about 80% of the water and instead focuses on shorter showers and browner golf courses. Now, the governor's office responds to these criticisms by pointing out that industrial farms have already seen restrictions as a result of the drought and that watering crops is kind of more important than watering dead people. Of course, environmentalists fire back by pointing out that a few of California's more water-intensive crops like almonds are out there, which account for almost 10% of the state's entire water usage, which is almonds? approximately an enough water to turn all of America's cemeteries into elbow-deep swamps, I believe. <laughs> and even if the environmentalists were suggesting exactly that, we lose the almonds, turn all the cemeteries to zombie swamps, that <laughs> would still be better for the environment than the current situation. <laughs> At least a little. Now, the state government has also set up a website to educate residents on water conservation, including advice about doing only full loads of laundry, changing out your bong less often, and asking yourself <laughs> what the fuck purpose lawns and fountains really serve to begin with. To enforce these restrictions, the state of California has created a three-stage penalty system that begins with a small fine and eventually works its way up to sending Roman Polanski around with a switchblade and a goon. <laughs> Chinatown reference? Go for your nose. With more on this story, we turn to roving reporter Lucinda Lusions, who is live in California now. Lucinda, how are things looking there? Well, Heath, the term arid hellscape comes to mind. That bad, huh? Worse than you can imagine. I've seen a single 20-ounce bottle of water priced as high as four ninety-nine. That's $31.94 a gallon, compared to the nothing that you would pay if you just put water in a bottle yourself, Heath. Well, I don't think that's drought-related so much. That, that's a markup of more than infinity percent. So, have you talked with anyone about how they plan to cope with the new restrictions? There's nobody here to talk to. It's just an arid desert as far as the eye can see. Where in California are you right now? Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? It all looks the same now. I don't think that's right. I'm quite certain they have cities, deserts, beaches, mountains. Basically an entire Mario game's worth of different landscapes. They got plenty of different stuff. Could, maybe you could just describe one specific well, I'm sure it was like that once, Heath, but today's California is all but abandoned. I've been here for hours, and the only signs of life I've seen is a few lizards, a horde of tattooed gas pirates driving spike-covered dune buggies, and a blue emu on steroids. <laughs> well, see, we wanted you to go there and talk to people about the new water restrictions. This doesn't Well, if like... that damn emu would slow down, I could ask him. Are you sure there's no humans in the entire state you could interview just to... Talk about this a little bit? Well, I do hear tell of a walled village to the north where the locals trade unlimited sexual favors for moist towelette, but I don't have any towelettes. Okay. <laughs> Forgive me for saying this, Lucinda, but 
I'm really starting to doubt you're actually in California at all. It really seems like you're just making well, stuff up. What are you trying to say here, Heath? That I stopped off in Vegas, blew my entire travel budget on boxcars and bullshitting my way through the report with vague memory associations with the word desert? Is that what you're trying to imply, Heath? Come on. Uh, well, that's exactly what I was trying to imply, but now... Yeah, I, I, I imply that. Uh, fuck craps. I hate this place. <laughs> Thank you, Lucinda. And from the device of references to indivisibility file tonight, the Missouri House has passed a bill that would make sure none of those damnable immigrants go promatoing any lealtad to the Bandera anytime <laughs> soon with HB 499, a law that would require all Missouri public students to recite the Pledge of Allegiance once per day and in English. <laughs> oh, not, not Arabic? Was that a problem? Yeah. Oh, good. The, the government's going to provide all the kids with... Free speech every yeah, day. Exactly. Government sponsored. Here's, here's your freely free said. Script. But this attempt at forced fidelity is particularly egregious as it comes with this little dose of racism. I mean, the language that reminded everybody that it had to be recited in Americanese was added late in the game, no doubt in response to the uproar that erupted when the school in upstate New York had the audacity exactly. to recite the pledge in Arabic during Foreign <laughs> Language Week. And I'm sure the Missouri lawmakers looked at that, and then only a few weeks later, they're seeing these two sisters in Brooklyn arrested for plotting to join ISIS. So they put two and cheese together, and you get this stupid fucking bill. And in Super 8 K-Pack news tonight, Stephen Bassett is the only person in America whose job is called Registered UFO Lobbyist, <laughs> which puts Stephen Bassett in the unique position of knowing exactly how little national politicians care about investigating alien conspiracies. But he thinks Hillary Clinton is different. I hope not. According to Bassett, government release of classified documents about extraterrestrials is, quote, the most important issue in the world. And he thinks HRC might put the nuclear non-proliferation bullshit on hold and finally address this top priority alien thing if she becomes president. Well, I guess this is probably the endorsement the Clinton camp was waiting on here. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. might as well it's announce now. If she announces night. this week, you'll know it was because <laughs> the alien guy. No, so first of all, Bassett's basing this on the fact that Hillary's campaign director is former White House staffer John Podesta. Who is a nut. Who, yeah, who is absolutely a nut. And he recently spoke publicly about his belief in a government cover-up yes. relating to aliens. And apparently the Clintons threw this guy an X-Files-themed birthday one time when he was Bill's chief of staff. So that makes it extra suspicious. <laughs> but, but more importantly, Stevie B, dude. This is exactly what the aliens want you to believe. Do you, do you not watch the other dry erase board whack-a-mole videos on the websites where yours go? The Clintons have been in bed with the Bilderbergs and the lizard aliens for decades now. So Hillary releases any classified files, there should be more smoke screens for the real endgame when they take us over again without us knowing. Yeah, obviously. exactly, exactly. And along those lines, in OFU UFO news tonight, the comically deranged lunatic cult The Raelians have announced plans to build an international alien embassy for the purposes of welcoming extraterrestrial life if and when it arrives. Seriously? Their plans, which they submitted to the United States government and or any governing body that might take them seriously, call for one and a half square miles of diplomatically sovereign territory protected by a no-fly zone for their new embassy. So, if any countries are listening that want to establish a landlocked sovereign nation of insane members of UFO cult within their borders, get in line while the getting's good. Behind us. Yeah. <laughs> and if you 
omnipotent, universal, life-creating aliens were waiting on the proper facilities before you popped back in. <laughs> <That's-> yeah, <laughs> These guys are working hard on a building and a welcome center, you know, with a Burger King, some condom machines, with an Arby's, you want a beef and right cheddar, you'll be all home. set. And perhaps the most bizarre assumption amongst the cornucopia of bizarre assumptions that go into this story is that if the aliens showed up, we would leave that shit to the Raelians. <laughs> Could you have fucking imagined? Sorry, Raelians, if the aliens show up, you're the canned mushrooms, they're the health inspector, right? You're the, you're the steal your face tattoo, they're the job interview. You're the gerbil fetish, they're the match.com profile. Get in the club. And, and in quid pro ho news tonight. U.S. Senator Bob Menendez pled not guilty to 14 criminal charges leveled against him by the state of New Jersey, including bribery and abuse of power, in relation to his dealings with Florida doctor Solomon Melgan. The Justice Department alleges that Menendez took money and gifts in exchange for performing a number of illegal favors for the wealthy doctor, such as pressuring immigration officials to approve tourist visas for Melgan's international harem of barely legal models and actresses. Huh. Now, of course, Menendez claims that this whole thing was instigated by the Obama administration because of his vocal opposition to Obama's foreign policy, and that's probably true. I mean, honestly, as as the timing works out pretty damn well that he's resigning his seat on the Committee on Foreign Relations just as this, uh, this Iran deal is popping up. But that being said, if he hadn't done a bunch of corrupt shit, the witch hunt would have been a lot harder to to do. So. You also did a little easier for you, yeah. The bribe thing. Here's a few specifics from the prosecution's case against Menendez. Emails and witness testimony clearly show that the senator's office took action to get immigration approval for three models said to be girlfriends of Dr. Melgan. One from Brazil, one from Ukraine, and one from the Dominican Republic. The senator also tried to use his power to help his buddy settle a Medicare dispute after the doctor was accused of overbilling the state by about $9 million. And it looks like Melgan returned these favors... By flying Menendez all over the place on private jets, putting him up in grossly expensive hotels, and making about $750,000 in campaign donations. Huh. And I would love to think that these actions would put him in the, you know, like, more corrupt-than-average senator camp, but I somehow doubt it. <laughs> so, in response to the accusations, the senator claims that he's been friends with Dr. Melgan for over two decades, and insists the enormous personal gifts and huge campaign donations had nothing to do with it. No. Adding, I would have helped traffic those ladies regardless. <laughs> right. So, Menendez definitely has the ethical flexibility for the Senate, but I think he lacks the finesse. <laughs> However, he has shown some aptitude for the sex trafficking business. Exactly. So we put our brand new team of underpaid Scientologist sailors, thanks for the tip, going clear, to the task of coming up with our... <laughs> Top five slogans for the Bob Menendez Capitol Hill prostitution ring. Don't forget, these guys are paid 40 cents an hour. Don't expect anything funny or anything. (laughs) At number five, the Essen Embassy, minorities (laughs) with whips. 50 aids of gray. (laughs) At number four, unbuckling the beltway, spits or swallows. (laughs) What else we got? Um, At number three, go paperless, whores with oars, shore-to-door escort service. Blowing senators. It's just another case of immigrants doing jobs Americans don't want. Low paperless. All right. At number two, pro temp whores. Filibuster nut on the Senate floor. And remember, guys, if your filibuster lasts more than four hours, you should contact a physician. <laughs> and number one, upper house of Brazil repute. Sexual Congress for Johns with Boehners. <laughs> just the tip O'Neill. Right. Secret servicing the dick army. I'm done. <laughs> 
I guess if we weren't talking about Brazilians, I'm sure you'd have worked a reference to George Bush in there somewhere, but it would be <laughs> wouldn't work this time around. And that's gonna do it for episode eleven. Thanks to No Illusions for his great vengeance and furious anger. Thanks to his lovely wife Lucinda for knowing how to operate an Acme anvil without sustaining major head trauma. And thanks to all the listeners that liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that, please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like Rich, Chris, and Javier, yes, THE Javier, whose stem cells can beat IBM's deep hulu at chess, playing as black. Two stack pawns. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more unsolicited dick jokes free of charge, check out our sister show, The Scathing Atheist, available on iTunes, Stitcher, or directly from scathingatheist.com. We have just one last thing. Let's compliment that penis. Special thanks to the man with the 12 bar blue suede shoes, Ryan Slotnick of Evil Drafts on Mars. He is the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with his permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Drafts on Mars. Until next week, catchphrase sign-off. No libido to attack? (laughs) Yeah, passionate.